Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm Lena Abajamra, and welcome to the Hope podcast. If you are a longtime listener, then thank you for your faithfulness. If you're new, we welcome you with open hearts and open arms. Uh, here's a virtual hug for you, I guess. thought I was funny after I said open arms. Anyway, it is great to be with you. We are in a great series called the Dear Lena series. Specifically, I've called it the Bread and Butter series because we're addressing bread and butter topics about Christianity. The whole point of the Dear Lena series has been to answer questions about faith life and everything, faith life God and everything in between and culture, I suppose. And uh, I've done a whole lot of different things. You can look back at the archives. We've done some controversial topics, but these eight or 10 teachings are going to be on basic Christianity. Questions that have come into us over time consistently and steadily that at first I was like, man, everybody knows this, but you know, I thought maybe there's more exciting things to talk about, but this is where it's happening. This is basic Christianity. If you're ever wondering what it means to be a Christian, some of the basic questions that come to our minds about Christianity, we need to know these topics. Uh, we have a discipleship crisis in the United States of America because of the way that our country is, because of COVID, because of our uh, reliance on the internet, because of the way we like things to happen fast and we don't want people to demand too much of our times. So we're barely in church anymore. Many people don't go anymore. And the ones who do barely go for an hour every week and it just doesn't work to help disciple us. So I, I hope that you are finding ways in your life to be in the word of God, to be exposed to the truth, to be with other Christians. And this is one virtual way of doing it, not a perfect way, but one way to do it. So welcome, we're glad you're here. I'm gonna hit you with today's question and give you my best three point outline on, on this question that came through. Dear Lena, I am really burdened by my unsaved loved ones or for my unsaved loved ones. How do I best influence my unsaved loved ones to Jesus? A right, couple of things here. First, if you're listening and don't know what this language means, I'll explain it. So to get saved or to be saved is a language that people talk about at least in the 80s. We talked about that uh, as a means of expressing that we have received Jesus Christ as our savior. And so there comes a point in every human's life where we're faced with the truth about Jesus and we've got to decide, are we going to buy it or not? And are we going to submit to the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to to God the Father because of his death on the cross or not. And the minute you embrace Christ as your savior, he comes and lives in you. And this is what we call to be saved. This is the whole essence of John 3, 16. And so any person who has done this in their life is aware, becomes very aware that everyone around you might or might not have had that experience. And so, um, so, so commonly, if you are, uh, you might not have experienced that if you're born in a Christian home. Maybe everybody in your family knows Jesus, believes the same thing. But uh, my mother came to Christ in her college years, and, and she had a radical conversion experience so that the people in her life didn't really understand it. Uh, same happened with my father later in his life. We had it easier. I was born where both my parents were believers. And so uh, it just it was a different dynamic. But I meet people now in my life that I love and that don't know Jesus. And, and but, but, but this sentiment, this question that comes out, really uh, a lot of people who ask, are either married to somebody who doesn't believe the same things about Jesus as they do, or they may have kids. I think this is the probably the more common dynamic is you are a believer and you've brought up your kids in the faith and maybe your kids no longer are walking in the faith. Or maybe you're a child and your parents don't like your decision to have, to have given your life to Jesus. However it is, the question is a really good question. Which is how do I influence my unsaved loved ones to Jesus? How do I make a difference in their life? How do I help them get saved? And, you know, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about salvation and and, and we've established that salvation is a work of God, not of man. And so to a certain degree, that's, you have a, only a limited responsibility, but you have some uh, burden in that or you wouldn't be asking this question. And so let me give you some thoughts here. Uh, number one, you will get a lot more out of the way that you act than the words that you say. 
So if you're looking to influence the people in your life, you will get a lot more out of the way that you act than the words that you say. I grew up uh, going to a Christian camp that influenced my life deeply, not the camp, but the people of the camp, the, the, the head of the camp and the counselors and the directors. It really was very spiritually formative in my life. And our camp director used to give us this statement, which I think was so good. I liked it then, I like it now. You might be familiar with it, which is this, our walk talks and our talk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks, all right? Both make a difference. Our walk talks and our talk talks. Both say something. But our walk talks louder than our talk talks. And by God's grace, that's true. Because sometimes my mouth gets the best of me. But I try to be consistent in my walk. But they're both important, right? And so here's um, a verse that, uh, that you might be very familiar with in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus told that I think really um, sort of exemplifies that or... In, he says in Matthew uh, 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus taught that, that if you lived in such a way, people would understand that it's because you're a Christian. This is a common way that people do ministry in places that have urgent needs. And, you know, Habitat for Humanity is a great example of that. It's an organization funded by, I believe, the Billy Graham group and and now but they're up they build homes for people in need and they don't come across and say hey you know we want to save you to jesus but if you dig at all in habitat for humanity you will quickly find out that there is a christian background there salvation army same thing you know you can go down the list the work we do in the middle east you know we lead with meeting urgent needs but we do it in the name of christ and so both are important and so, so that might be understand you know you might hear that about global missions or and or you know social issues and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I see it. But, but listen, it pertains to how you interact with even your unsaved spouse. Um, by the way, um, I think Paul would agree in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as it pertains specifically to uh, being married to someone who does not believe as you do. Um, let me remind you what 1 Corinthians teaches on that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, to the married, I give this charge, the wife should not separate from her husband, and the husband should not divorce a wife. To the rest I say that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Um, I think that's important to, to remember and I'm not going to teach a whole teaching on this, but I think the 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 understanding if you read and study these passages on on being married being in a relationship that is let's call it unequally yoked where one person is a christian follower of jesus the other is not is that uh, it's not that you being married to them saves them automatically it's that eventually the prayer that you the way that you live i think peter uh, also in first one of the peters uh, addresses that issue as well that there's an influence that happens in remaining with a person who doesn't necessarily believe in the same way of you, but the way that you act, the way that you live with them uh, will shape that relationship. And so I think it's important to remember that, that our talk talks and our walk talks, but our talk talks louder than our, our walk talks louder than our talk talks. And I think this is good because we're living in an age that values talk almost more than walk. And, and I wouldn't say almost, I would say we value talk more than walk. How do I know that? Well, because of social media. We put great value on people's talk. If you don't say it publicly, then people assume you don't believe it. Like, that's why, like, every holiday, like, you have to say, happy Mother's Day, happy Husband's Day, happy Kids' Day, happy Donut Day. If you don't say it, if you don't 
do the thing on social media that involves words, then people are like, well, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? Are they racist? Are they this? I mean, we've become so like heavily reliant on talk. And I think when it comes to modeling Christ to those in our life, I think we need to remember that let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Our walk always reflects what we truly believe, whereas our talk reflects what we want to believe. Okay, our walk genuinely reflects what we truly believe, whereas our talk usually reflects what we want to believe. We can all say things that sound good, but are we living them? That's where the, uh, the, the metal meets the road. So our walk invites others to the gospel, whereas our talk simply invites others into argument. Our walk invites others into the gospel, whereas our talk often simply invites others into argument. We see that played out regularly in the Facebook, where people are talking a lot about Jesus, but typically the only people who agree are people who already believe the same thing. Everybody else either cancel culture or shuts you up or fights with you. And it just doesn't lead to salvation. And by the way, the same can be true if you're a parent and you have a kid who is going through an unbelieving season. Uh, You've experienced that. I've experienced that. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand that the worst thing you can do if you have a child who is not following the same principles in life that you are following and the same savior that you're following is to shove words down their throat. Uh, I know that you're t- you want to share the truth. I know it, but, but here's, we're going we're gonna to spend a couple more points, which I think will, will help appease some of the burden you feel to talk, but we'll get to that in a minute. Here's a second point. You will get a lot more out of waiting for change than pushing for change. Remember the question is, how do I influence my unsaved loved ones to Jesus? First, let your walk talk. Be kind, love, do the things that promote the gospel. Second, you will get a lot more out of waiting for change to happen than by pushing for change to happen. We are intrinsically pushers. We love to control. We we control people by speaking louder, by insisting, by threatening, by manipulating. Listen, it doesn't work. You know it doesn't work because it doesn't work in my life. When people press me, I want to run the other way. And yet we do it all the time. You cannot force a tree to bear fruit, just like you cannot force a heart to believe. Jesus has to be the one to remove the veil. Second Corinthians chapter um, three talks about that. He's, we're told uh, um, the letter kills by the spirit gives life. He goes on to say, uh, he gives the example of Moses whose face was veiled indeed in this case. Let me find the verse I'm looking for. Uh, he says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face, uh, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So that unveiling that happens has to be an unveiling of the Lord. By the way, this is why Paul prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that God would remove the veil from people's eyes. We'll get to prayer in a minute. But you cannot force a tree to bear fruit. You've got to wait for it to bear fruit. You can, you can do some things in the meantime. You can till the, the ground. You can water it. But, but you've got to let it take its time. You might see a temporary change if you push for it. Huh? You know that. You could see a temporary change. You could threaten someone. You, I won't pay for your college if you don't come to church with me on Sunday. They might show up on those Sundays, right? Or whatever it is that you might be manipulating. You might see temporary change if you push for it, but lasting change always takes time. You've got to let things unfold. So you might think that the waiting 
is for others to change. Okay, speaking of waiting, you might think that that waiting season is for others to change, but what if it's also meant for you to change too? Oh, that's tough. My mom has said that to us before, and I, I do not like to hear that, but isn't it the truth? You might think that the waiting is for others to change, but what if it's also meant for you to change too? What if this waiting for others to turn to Christ is meant to transform you into deeper dependence on God, a patience, a trust, a lifestyle that promotes godliness? What if the onus is on you to become more Christ-like? Stop worrying about them. Start worrying about you. So you will get a lot more out of the way that you act than you will the words that you say. You will get a lot more out of waiting for change than pushing for change. And thirdly, and I think this is probably where um, you'll find gold, you'll get a lot more out of talking to God about the problem or the person than talking to others about the problem or the person. And um, this, this is another hard one. It's easy to vent your frustrations about the person in your life who is not seeing eye to eye on your values, on your Jesus. It's easy to get a circle of friends that you can vent to. Uh, it's natural to do that. But you will get a lot more if you're looking for results, if you're looking to influence your unsaved loved ones, you've got to learn to talk to God about the problem. What does that mean? That's prayer. That's prayer. Um, the Matthew 17, 21 is a very challenging verse because I think many of us don't see anything happen in our life of, of, of substance because we get stuck here. Uh, I'm going to read you a few verses, Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. And uh, elsewhere he says, um, oh, I think in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, same story after, um, after the incident, Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he rose. And when he entered the house, the disciples asked him, why could we not cast it out? And he said, this kind cannot be driven out, but by anything but prayer. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And um, I don't know. I think that's convicting. Uh, I don't know what you think when you when you hear those verses, but I wonder what could be happening in our life if we just prayed more. Uh, God wants everybody to be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of, on the, name of the Lord will be saved. Um, I think one of my favorite verses in that regard is in 1 Timothy chapter Two, first of all, Paul starts, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that they may live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires everybody to be saved. Uh, when people don't embrace him, it's not because God doesn't want them to come to him, it's because they are resisting him. And... Uh, there's a verse, I think Peter talks about uh, the patience of God. Oh, here it is in Second Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
This is our God. He longs for us to come to him in repentance. So don't worry. He loves your unsaved loved one more than you do. He hopes for their salvation. He has died for them. He's coming back soon and he's delaying his return for a chance for them to come to know him. And what can you do in the meantime? You can pray and fast and talk to God about the problem, the weight, the burden on your heart. Prayer moves mountains and melts hearts. Prayer moves your worries from your shoulders onto God's. And prayer can never be stopped no matter how much resistance it creates in others. Think about that. No one can stop your prayers. You can be in a jail cell. You could be on a mountaintop. No one can stop you from prayer. Not an unsaved loved one who is berating your faith. Not someone who might be throwing slingshots of ridicule at you. You can stop you from talking, but no one can stop you uh, from praying to God your Father. And so are you praying sufficiently and persistently and in faith for those in your life that need him? Let your actions speak louder than your words when it comes to horizontal living, but let your words be loud and clear to our Father who is in heaven, who because of Christ, who is interceding for us at the right hand of God, we've been given this ability to enter boldly into the throne of grace and leave our requests at his feet. And so I challenge you, if you are living with someone who doesn't know the Lord, if you're burdened for your kids who don't know the Lord or your friends or your loved ones or your bosses, whoever it is in your life that you're burdened for, Know that you are not alone. God loves them even more than you do. And he has a plan for their life too. And so if you'd like me to pray for them, I would love to. In fact, Lord, right now, we offer these people that come to mind who we love dearly, who frustrates us deeply sometimes, and who we are so heavily burdened for. Help us to live lives. Usually, Lord, those are the people that press our buttons so that our lives are challenged. We typically have a harder time walking the gospel. So help us, Lord, to focus on you, to be so in tune with you that our lives would bear fruit of the gospel, that we would worry less about what we have to say and more about how we live in kindness and compassion towards others. And help us, Lord, to remember the power of prayer that changes hearts and melts the hardest hearts. Father, thank you that you are at work even now in the hearts of those we love. Would you please open their eyes, unveil their hearts, help them to come to know you even today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, it's been great to be with you. I know these are difficult topics, uh, but hopefully you're encouraged by knowing that you are not in this alone. I would love to see you tonight in our Facebook community. Live, I'm teaching through the book of Hebrews. Uh, Join us by going to livingwithpower.org. Click on the top right. There's a thing that says join our community. It'll walk you through it how to join us. In the meantime, uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, God is at work even when you can't see it clearly. We'll be back together next Thursday. In the meantime, have a great day and a great weekend.